0: But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I dropped that phrase in the middle of a sermon just before Lent began. Little did I know how much I needed to hear all of you proclaim this great truth along with me as we have now entered into the season of world history. So I want to take a moment this morning and think about that that phrase that that sentence that call and response that is so familiar to the Christian church. Think about that Christ is risen. Think about that for a second. We throw around the word resurrection like it's no big deal. But resurrection is far outside anything we've ever experienced even if you've witnessed someone be resuscitated via CPR or an AED, that's just a temporary change. Just like the great biblical moment we heard of a few weeks ago with Lazarus being raised from the dead, awoken in his tomb after four days of death. And we use the word resurrection, that it was a resurrection, but it's not a resurrection in the sense of what Jesus experienced on Easter Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus was not just him adding a few more days or, or years even to his life. He is bodily raised in a way unlike anyone had ever seen or experienced. It's hard to understand because it's completely other. As I was meditating on this, this scripture this week, I kept thinking of Frozen 2. And in Frozen 2, there's a snowman named Olaf. And Olaf has this this idea, this thought that he repeats throughout the movie. He says, I can't wait till I'm older and all-knowing. Now, I've had this conversation with my kids before. Dad, I can't wait until I'm old like you and I know everything. While I appreciate their impressive view of their father, I'm sorry to say one day they're going to be severely disappointed by that idea. In fact, I find that the older I get and the more I learn, the more I realize how little I actually know. Olaf, in the movie, he has his, his solo song, and the first verse goes like this. This will all make sense when I am older. Someday I will see that this makes sense. One day, when I'm old and wise, I'll think back and realize... That these were all completely normal events. Now, the irony of his song is that in the midst of saying this, crazy, unexplainable things are going on all around him. The reality is, these aren't normal events, and they're not going to make any more sense when he's older than they do right now. And so it is with the resurrection. I I can imagine John, who says he's going to get there first, thinking to himself, This will all make sense when I'm older. This will all make sense when I'm older. It's perfectly normal that the body's not in the tomb and that the stone is rolled away. This will all make sense when I'm older. And Peter, likewise, who then runs into the tomb and he he sees there's no body, but he sees the cloths there, thinking to himself, it's all going to make sense when I'm older. It'll all make sense one day. Because we hear in the Scriptures, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. The more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. The world is full of beautiful mysteries waiting to be slowly and carefully revealed. Because our God is a God of great mystery. Wonderful and awe-inspiring mystery. Slowly revealed by himself so that we can come to know him more fully. Our small brains could not take the fullness of God in a singular moment. All of his glory and all of his wonder and all of his wisdom. And so he reveals himself in these small bits, in these small pieces, so that we can slowly begin to understand him and his love. Peter and John would more fully understand the resurrection. Not not when they were older, but when Jesus appeared to them. And to others multiple times over the coming days and the weeks ahead. And he opened their their minds and he opened their hearts to receive his truth. A a truth that they didn't just hear with their ears, but that they they saw with their eyes. They, They saw him. So what Peter says in Acts, he says, we are witnesses of all that he did. They may not fully be able to understand it. They may not be able to to write some theological discourse on what just happened. But they believed, they saw it with their own eyes. That God had raised him on the third day and made him to appear, as Peter says, not to all people but to those who had been chosen by God to be witnesses who ate and drank with him after he had risen from the dead. They they ate and drank with him. They had communion with him in a very real way. Peter's saying, let me tell you what I saw. When we proclaim that Christ is risen, indeed, we are speaking with the church throughout all the ages and throughout all the world, that while we may fail to understand the full nature of the resurrection, we trust and what the Lord has done, as he has made it known to us through the testimony of these humble eyewitnesses. Now, I don't say this to dismiss any intellectual aspect to our faith. That, that's foolish. We should grow in knowledge and truth and seek to know our God. But we are fools to think we will ever grasp fully the knowledge of God. Let's be, let's be real. For, that's what the kids say, right? Let's be real for a moment. Let's be real. We failed to understand fully the resurrection, and that's okay. If, if we fully grasp and trust it in the resurrection, fully, I'm talking fully, completely, we would have no problem submitting to the will of God each and every day in every facet and every way of our life because we'd fully trust Him. But, but we don't, and neither did the disciples. They, they still struggled. They still were afraid. They still hid away. They, they weren't always sure what the next move was. And so they, even at the beginning of the church's formation, had conversations and debates to help decide what was best for God's people as they went forward. And God blessed their endeavors. But it didn't come easy. They had to trust in God in those moments. And that he would even bless their simple work. And it's the same for us today. That we just seek to know God more. And to trust him in all aspects of our life. On Good Friday, I I invited you to, to share with those around you, or even to share in the comment section, the things that were weighing heavy upon your heart. And I have to say, I was blown away because there were some people that, that shared quite, quite intimate things that are going on. And, and it was a joy to see all of y'all in the comment section, like wrap them in prayer. Cover them in prayer. And I know many more that didn't comment that they were praying for. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're called to do. To pray for each other. Because faith is hard. Life is hard. And that we may grow in that trust of God. So on Good Friday, I ask you to think about the things that's weighing heavy on your heart right now. And and I want you to take a moment right now to recall whatever that was. The health of a loved one or uncertainty of of a job or or income or uncertainty of what tomorrow holds. Even the inability for us to gather around uh, with those we love. The Christian faith does not dismiss our concerns and fears and anxieties. Just get over it. We don't don't say that. But we go into those moments of fear and anxiety and we proclaim the promise of God in the midst of them. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We believe and trust in this truth that is beyond our ability to know that these things which which bog us down one day... We'll be no more in the glory of the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. And so we say, Alleluia! Alleluia! That word, it means God be praised. Christ is risen. God be praised for this truth. When we speak of the resurrection of Christ, we acknowledge that God is to be praised for this incredible, unbelievable act. An act which is like none other. And that the promised resurrection is for you. For you. And for me. And, and as we gather this Easter, what what good news this is. Now, right now, there is no shortage of news and, and new numbers and, and new fears and new disappointments. I, I can't safely say i believe that that we're all a little fed up with bad news it disappoints us it it saddens us it can even drive us to despair now i've seen on many of your facebook feeds this uh, attempt to inject good news into the world right now and i love that you're you're sharing how you met your loved one for the first time or you're sharing your your creative birthday celebrations happy birthday pastor Melky his birthday today. Wish him happy birthday, everybody. Or, or the, the ten things you dislike that everyone else appears to like, but the lists are all looking similar to each other. Or, or some good news, a show being done by John Krasinski. And while these things are all fine and good, they're, they're a mere shadow of the news we have to share. Those things may distract us from bad news. But the good news, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that doesn't distract us from bad news. That, That comes into bad news and promises to save us from all the bad of this world, all the brokenness of this world, both now and forever. And so we say amen to that. Amen. This is the good news. And so in the midst of all we have received whatever that is. In the midst of the joys and celebrations and positive moments of our life, in the midst of the brokenness and the sadness and the despair and the sin of our life, we proclaim the good news that Christ is resurrected. Christ has overcome this world. The pains and struggles of this world. In his resurrection, he promises that he is with you always and that he will raise your body up again to be with his Forever. Don't cling to this world. Don't, don't let anxiety consume you in these singular moments. Don't, don't try to drag Jesus back into this moment. Rather, let us be eyewitnesses. Let us focus our eyes on Jesus. And not draw him back into this moment, but go with him where he already has gone where he is preparing a place for us to go with him and cling to the promise of the resurrection. If, if Good Friday was the show of love, then Sunday then is the fulfillment of all love when love becomes perfected and complete in the glory of the resurrection. When self-gift comes to us and we are free to receive and give that love in a new way. There are a lot of things I do not understand. So Many. And th- there are many things that I can't, can't make sense of what, what God's up to at the moment. But I do trust his promise that he's made us, that he's made to me, even though I struggle. E- even though I wrestle with him and, and, and deal with doubt, I trust his promise. That when Christ, who is our life, appears We will appear with him in the glory of the resurrection. There's our promise. And in that moment, and on that day, all of this and more will make sense. It will make sense when we're resurrected in our bodies before him. For we will fully know him who already fully knows us. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.